welcome to The Lavender Files Crimes Unmasked, the true crime podcast that explores crimes against the LGBTQ community. Content may be distressing. Listener discretion advised. We approach these stories with sensitivity, remembering the victims and their struggles. Our goal is to advocate for justice. For informational purposes only, listener discretion is advised. Hi, and welcome to The Lavender Files, a podcast that looks into the crimes and issues within our LGBT community. This is our first ever episode. I'm Casey. And I'm Liz. Today we're diving into a chilling true crime case that shook a community and sparked a nationwide conversation. We're discussing the tragic story of Matthew Shepard, a young man whose life was cut short due to a horrific act of violence and hate. A story, I will be honest with you, I don't really know. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to cover it today. I know a lot of people have kind of heard about this case. Maybe you've never heard about this case at all. Um, but it definitely highlights a major issue within our judicial system. And that's something I really want to get into later on in the episode. But first, I would love to tell you more about Matthew. Or as he would affectionately go by from his fans and family, Matt. And give you just a little bit more about who he was as a person. Are you ready? Let's get in it. Awesome. Yeah, Matt was born December 1st, 1976, and would live to only see the age of 21. Wow, so he was he was pretty young when everything happened. He was. He was super young. It's, it's such a shame that he was taken from us so early. Uh, I'm going to get into what really made him an amazing person. He was an older brother to Logan, and... He was completely loved and supported by his parents, uh, Judy and Dennis Shepard. But sadly, from a young age, Matt did see his fair share of bullying. It was mainly due to his small stature. And when I mean small, I mean small. This man was not athletically built at all. He was only 5'2 and about 100 pounds. And I'm pretty sure that's where he capped out on. So... You can tell preteen, teen years, super hard. For sure. Sounds like it. Oh, yeah. This man definitely saw his fair share of bullying, but it's not to say he lived a sad life. Matt was very supported in school, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, Very liked. He did get elected by his peers to be a peer counselor because of how easy he was to talk to. And how he actively fought for acceptance of all people through the school. It's kind of interesting that he was elected to be a peer counselor because of, you know, all the bullying he he got throughout school. I agree. And I don't think it was like they bullied him because they hate him. I think he was easy to push around and they kind of took advantage of that. by how small he was. Exactly. Um, I don't think it was anything to do with his personality or who he was. I think it was straight up just from his small statue. Like get out of the way, short fry, that kind of stuff. You know, you probably don't know. You're actually a lot taller than I am. But from the world down here, it's a little hard. Uh, but yeah, he he did make friends pretty easily as far as when they got to talk to him. When they got to talk to him, they realized he was actually a really good person. Um, he really fought for the acceptance of all people. 
And later we will actually come to find out that he ends up going to school to study political science. And that's pretty neat. It is. And I truly think he could have done some great things to help everyone get accepted in the world. Oh, for sure. And I wonder, like, what he would have done, you know, being a member of the LGBT community and, you know, having a political science degree. I agree. I think he really would have fought for a lot of acceptance laws. You know, I it's crazy the world we're in right now. And if he was here, I wonder what he could have done. But now let's get into more where we're at and how his life went. Matt spent most of his life in Casper, Wyoming, all the way up until about his junior year of high school. And that's when the family moved to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia? Of all places? I know. It's pretty far and it's literally on the other side of the world. Um, his dad, Dennis, actually was an inspector for the oil rigs. And that's why they happened to move. They relocated him over there. He did end up having to go. This is going to be a wild ride. He actually ended up having to go to a school in Switzerland because they were the only ones close enough that had an American school for him. And was he living in Saudi Arabia at the time while going to school in Switzerland? Yeah, so he actually would stay on campus during this time and only come home for the holidays and summer break. And he did all that as a high school student? Like, was that allowed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's actually what the school was known for. Um, so with this being said... He went, he went to school in Switzerland. He had a great time. He made a lot of friends. Again, he was elected a peer counselor actually over there. So I'm telling you, Matt was an easy, yeah, he was an easy to talk to guy. And he really, he really could charm his way. But, um, and during his senior year, Matt actually got to go visit Morocco. Morocco? Why did they pick that place? I'm actually not sure, um, but while in Morocco, the drinking age, I don't know if you know, is a lot younger than here in the States. I'm guessing it's 18. You got it. And so during this trip, he got to have a little fun with his friends and they wanted to go out to the bar. A party night. That's what I'm saying. We all know you just need a little taste, a little taste to see how the life is. Um, so Matt and his friends went out to a bar one night and they did have a couple of drinks so when matt's friends called it a night he actually decided to stay out and have one more drink or two and did his friends just leave him or he just decided to by himself right he just decided by himself i think his friends probably tried to talk to him about going in but i mean they're 18 you know they're boys they didn't know any better exactly but also when you're 18 i think you just feel like nothing bad is gonna happen to you because you're like just feel that's, unstoppable. Yeah, that stuff only happens in the movies. Um, but unfortunately, this was not going to be an easy night for Matt. Um, as the night went on, he would probably soon regret his decision. That night, Matt would be attacked, sexually assaulted, and robbed by three men. What? Yeah, it's really crazy. And I'm wondering if it's because, you know... You said previously he was 5'2", 100 pounds, or he was just, you know, a part of the community. You know, I think it might have been... And that's a, why he was targeted. It might have been a mixture of both, truthfully. Maybe they just saw this target and they were like, he's a small man, we can definitely can take him. And I really don't know about the part of town he was in or anything like that. So maybe they just were like, 
he looks nice because Matt did hold himself really well. And it'll actually become apparent in another later later on in this case that he was targeted because of the way that he dressed himself. Like he dressed nice. He dressed as some would say, like he had money. And I don't mean like I'm filthy rich. Maybe that's why he was robbed also. Yeah. It was more he just presented himself nicely, you know? But as you can imagine, this is going to definitely stick with this man. These men would later actually be arrested for what they did to him. That they should be. Hell yeah. Um, but just because they're arrested does not just end all of Matt's problems. As you can imagine, he's going to hold this for the rest of his life. He developed depression, anxiety, and PTSD from this experience. I would be a literally a homebody after this i don't know if i could have ever gone back out oh for sure very understandable and the fact that he was able to pick up and carry on with his life after this is amazing because i i really would have been rocked to my core but matt was stronger than i don't think i could ever imagine being he was able to push on with his life and he actually attended the university of wyoming he chose to go back to the States by himself, even after this whole ordeal. Can you imagine that? You just went through this crazy experience in senior year, and you're still able to move away from your family, go back to the States, and attend. Ah. Yeah. So he was incredibly strong. I'm just going to say that out there. But yes, Matt went to the University of Wyoming, where he actually would major in political science. And during this time, I think we have to understand it was really hard for him. You're starting college. You're dealing with all this depression and anxiety from what literally was probably the worst night of his life. He did this big move by himself. His family did have to stay in Saudi Arabia. Um, His dad's job really wasn't looking to relocate him back to the States at this moment. Um, Which we will later find out that his parents had to travel to come be with him at his bedside. And did not make it in time. Yeah. It's pretty... It's going to get pretty dark here in a moment. So, get ready. So, as you can tell, he'd probably like to blow off steam. Um, Probably if he felt like he needed to. So, he would go hang out at the Fireside Lodge bar. That was actually a bar he liked to frequent a lot. Because it was an okay side of town for him to be who he was. And he still went to bars even after... You know, yeah, I don't think Matt let that really hold him back. You know, as much as it was a very big contributor to his depression and anxiety, I really don't think Matt wanted that to define his life. And it was there that Matt would probably spend his last happy moments. Okay, so this is the part of the story where things are about to get super dark. And I know it was already getting dark, but I'm about to take us to the darkest depths of the ocean kind of dark you ready so unfortunately this would be the place where matt would probably spend his last joyful moments in life um we would actually later find matt strung up to a wooden fence kind of propped up like a scarecrow like in fact the person who found him like the first person who found him would think it was a scarecrow or halloween decorations that were left up until they got closer and saw that it was matt and how did that even happen? Like, what events like So, that? I'm going to tell you the story that 
his attackers would leave. And then I'm going to tell you what we really think happens. So let's get in it. So the story that his attackers are going to ultimately spin is that they went to a bar, the Fireside Lodge, and they found Matt. At this bar, Matt would get a little drunk, start to hit on them a little bit, and they would say they're going to teach him a lesson. And that for this lesson, they were going to act gay, lure him away, and then beat him to teach him a lesson of coming on to straight men. And can we talk about the logic about how we have to accept flirtations? And basically, I'm sorry, if I flirt with someone and they're not reciprocating, I'm dropping, I'm moving on. But they must have continued the flirtations, you know what I mean? But in their story, they didn't. He just came on to them and they had to teach this man a lesson. This is what they're going to tell the cops. Also, can I say that I love that as women, we have to deal with all of that. And, you know, they're the ones who are saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson. for. Oh, yeah. But same. when you're out in a bar, I mean, I am definitely a mass presenting lesbian and I get hit on all the time and it's never fucking welcomed. The hypocrisy of it all, right? Rolls eyes. <laughs> Hardcore. Anyways, so with this being said, these two men who would attack, would later on attack and beat Matt, um, decided to take him home, take him up on the offer, take him home. They all got in the car. So it's three men in the front seat. It's a bucket seat kind of thing. Right. Um, and this is a pickup truck. So on the ride back to Matt's, back into town, because the Fireside Lodge was actually a little ways, like on the edge of town. So on the way back into town, one of the men would say that Matt tried to come on to them by putting their his hand on their thigh. And they were like, this is when the jig was kind of up for them. And they were like, the joke's on you. We're not really gay. And now we're going to have to teach you a lesson for coming on to straight men. You should never come on to straight men. Yeah. Yeah. But we had to play a log for us to even get to this point, you know? So at this point, the first attacker would later state that he would hit him and then they would pull off to the side of the road to really teach him a lesson on why you shouldn't hit on straight men. So basically they're like, we're just doing our our But they said they weren't duty. the ones who did all that. Even though they taught him a lesson. Yeah, so that's a great question. I'd we're going to find out that they were actually later on caught pretty much red-handed. Like, they left evidence on them. So, yeah, the three men would get in the truck. It's a bucket seat truck, so they're all in the front. And as they were driving, allegedly, Matt would put his hand on one of these men's thighs. And it would cause him to be like, oh, you can't come on to straight guys. You need to be taught a lesson. All this kind of stuff. And what we would find out later is this is simply not true. So later we would find out that Matt was hung kind of like tied up kind of like a scarecrow to some wooden fences. And when he was found, the person who found him actually wasn't even sure he was human. 
they actually thought he was a scarecrow or Halloween decorations until he got closer. Once he got closer, he could actually tell that it was Matt. Uh, He didn't know Matt per se, but he could tell it was a man. And he could tell he was in horrific conditions. Matt was rushed to the hospital. He was out there for 18 hours and just the code. And he was out there those 18 hours? Yeah. Just by himself, like, just honestly just trying to survive at that point. Just hanging on for whatever he could. Um, When the paramedics arrived, they did everything they could for life-saving measures on the scene and quickly got him to the hospital there in Wyoming. So he was taken to the hospital in Laramie, and they quickly realized they were not capable of treating his wounds. It was too state. He was he was in too bad of a condition, so they actually had to airlift him into Colorado, Fort, uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, I believe. And as soon as they lifted him, they didn't, he didn't have an ID or anything like that, so he was a Jane Doe at this point. Okay. A John Doe. A John. You're correct. <laughs> a John Doe. And uh, while all this is happening, um, they're booking his attackers, but not for the crime you're thinking. Wait, they're, what? Yeah, like his attackers are getting booked right now. So what were they doing that they got caught? I'm so glad you asked. Those dummies were beating up two other guys. So. Maybe around so, like eighteen what? hours later, they just decide to, you know, do more thing. Yeah, no, you're correct. So let me give you a rundown of the timeline the cops have put together. In this timeline, they meet they meet Matt. They offer him a ride home, and you know, something happens on the ride home. It causes them to beat Matt. Right? They pull over. Right. They beat Matt. Um, they tie him up. They, these these people are so shitty. They didn't want him to run away, like unloosen his own bounds, run away after being beaten with an inch of his life. So they stole his shoes too. Yeah, yeah. They stole his shoes, his wallet, which by the way, he didn't even have a lot of cash on him. They literally took his wallet for, at this point, You can't even go buy anything with this amount of money. He had like $30. That's all he had on him. And they they took that. They took his shoes and they took off. So they go home. They change. Again, this is what the police have put together. They go home. They change. And then they decide, my night's not done. The night's still young. Let's go out. And so they ride around the town and decide to pick a fight with these two Hispanic men. And it's completely in the open and as they are beating in like beating up these men police actually catch them in the act red-handed yeah they take off they start running they're you know anything and everything not to get caught and an officer actually caught one of the gentlemen pull him down and in his pocket is matt's wallet so they're assuming robbery they're not assuming they're worse yet so they take him in, they're booking them, and in the meantime, this is when Matt's getting, you know, they don't know where Matt's at yet. They're trying to figure out what's going on. A couple hours later, they find out Matt's in the hospital because his best friend just called into the police station. He's like, hey, I haven't seen my friend. I'm getting really nervous. Um, can you guys just do a welfare check? 
Can you do anything? Can you put out a missing persons alert? Anything. And as they're taking down the information, they're like, I've seen this name before. It's Matt's. So now they're trying to figure out where Matt's at. They're like, well, this is, it's so funny that you're calling looking for this person. We actually have like their wallet. So they're, and this is, of course, they're not telling their friend that, but they're, they're really not realizing all this. Hospitals also putting out a description of their, of their, of their, their John Doe. I keep wanting to say Jane, their John Doe. And again, it matches Matt. So at this point, now they understand the severity of it all. And they get a hold of Matt's parents. Again, Matt's parents are coming from Saudi Arabia. So that's a long travel. You can't just... I wonder how many hours that is. Yeah, dude, I do too. Let's Google this now. Um, But that's... I mean, you have to cross seas. You have to get on a plane. You have to... Not only from the plane, but then you got to get on a car and get to the hospital. It's a long commute. And unfortunately, this story pops off right away. He's a... He's a gay man beaten an inch of his life in a small town in Wyoming. It is gained traction. So the whole time the parents are flying like to see their son to, you know, just be there for him and be whatever he needs. They're also hearing about his condition and how horrible it is and all the crazy stuff that happened to him through the news. Like we're... That's crazy. Yeah. We're already like... It's already becoming nationwide news. So we have to remember, I don't know if you did the math or anything, but we're in 1998 at this point. And this is, you know, the late 90s. We're going into the early 2000s. Um, We're having, we're starting to see more and more hate crimes for the LGBT community. I mean, they've always been there, but people are getting vocal at this point. And so it just, it... It blew up like wildfire, you know, small town in Wyoming, um, what seems to be just a sweet college kid running into these issues from from locals because these these men were local. Um, And the townspeople will say, you know, I never thought this would happen in our town. I never thought anyone was this crazy, like homophobic crazy in this town for this to happen here. And it paints laramie in such an in such a weird position but at the same time as we'll come to find out it's a lot of people didn't realize they were homophobic until stuff like this in their situation probably like meet somebody in real life exactly you know and so with this being said um his parents are just they're getting all this information from the news and they haven't even arrived yet um Unfortunately, their son will never gain consciousness and he would die in the hospital five days after the attack. So this is going to be October 12, 1998. Um, okay, so now that I've broken down what happened to Matt, some kind of timelines and what we can piece together from the police, let me get into why I found this case something that we should start our podcast with uh-huh. um so the first person to see the courtroom was the first um the first attacker we'll, we'll go ahead and say henderson 
Um, so this is Henderson. He was kind of, he was the driver of the truck at the time. So not the main aggressor, but an aggressor. Because obviously he took his fair shares of beating right. Matt. Um, he was the first one to see the courtroom. And he did take a plea deal for a kidnapping, murderer, murdering, and it got him two life terms. Um, he took that deal to avoid the death penalty. Because the death penalty, the death penalty is on the table in the state of Wyoming for him. McKinley would actually go ahead and try his hand at trial. And he's the main one I want to talk to you about today. How did that go? I don't think that went very well. It didn't. Uh, he will eventually end up taking also a plea deal. It's pretty much the, consa- the same thing, but he's convicted of felony of murder, aggressive robbery, kidnapping. And he also, he took that deal to get away from the death penalty. Because again, the death penalty was on okay. the, the table. And we'll actually find out he, they really only took the death penalty off the table for him because they definitely wanted the death penalty for him. But, and and when I say they, I really mean at this point America because America's watching this whole trial unfold. And I really mean like America's watching this, they want it. His parents actually were the ones who said they felt comfortable taking the death penalty off. And at this point it was because it... It ends up dragging out for a while, and the parents just want it to be done with. They're hurt. They just kind of want closure at this point. Exactly. They just want closure at this point. Um, so we get to hear during the trial McKinley's version, and again, it's the fact that they were just trying to teach this man, this kid, a lesson. And when he came on to him, that's when things went south. Um, in McKinley's. Like trial, his defense attorney decides to go with, um, I don't know if you've ever heard about this term, but it's the gay panic defense. Do you know what that is? I have, but I don't really have a strong understanding of it. Okay. So the gay panic defense basically states that when someone is taken back by someone else's advances in sexuality, that is homosexual, Right. they go into this crazed blind fear factor and it's just like a rage that overcomes them and they basically panic and they hurt you and that's you you get what i mean like they they're so taken back and appalled and scared for their lives that they attack you and this is a real plea this is a real defense and guess what? As of today, even today, we are in now 2023. It is still legal to use what? in 35 states. That is crazy. Yes, that is absolutely crazy. And I'm going to explain to you why this is crazy and why this case is a perfect example of why it should never be used. Because McKinley will later tell everyone and openly admit, as well as his girlfriend, who was pregnant at the time, um, will openly admit that it was never about his sexuality. So Stephen Jimenez, who spent 13 years interviewing more than 100 people who were connected to this case, uh, gives his conclusion in a book he wrote. It's called The Book of Matthew, Hidden Truths About the Murder. Uh, uh, Hidden Truths is what the book is called. I've not personally read it, 
I actually found this at the very tail end of my research and it changed the whole narrative I did for this episode. Um, in his book, he actually finds out that a lot of this has to do with crystal meth. Crystal meth? Crystal meth. So, so it had nothing to do about being gay? Exactly. And that's my thing. That's exactly why I think the gay panic, this is a great representation of the fact that the gay panic defense is absolutely utter crud. Like, it should not be allowed in a courtroom. No one's going to panic because of my sexuality that's going to throw them in such a rage that they can kill me and it could be okay. It'd no. be it, Exactly. So, let's get into what happens at trial. So, during the trial, McKinley spins this story. It was the story I told. Uh, it's the story of that he went out to a bar. He saw Matt. He realized Matt was gay. And decided he needed to make sure Matt was going to not hit on straight men. And so when Matt comes to flirt with him, which I don't think Matt ever went to flirt with him. I'm going to be honest with you. And when he came to flirt with him, he decided to take this opportunity to teach Matt a lesson. And during this lesson, when they got in a truck and they offered Matt a ride home, Matt put his hands on his, on his, la- on his thigh and that's when the jig was up. Um, he then talks about how what happens during the altercation. He talks about how he went home, how he changed. He told his girl, you know, told his girlfriend they might try to pin this on me. I didn't do it. Whatever. So his girlfriend knew about this like the whole time. Oh yeah, let me drop this bomb on you. His girlfriend lied. To and the is, police. Yeah, and has actually also went to jail. <laughs> As she should. I agree. Um, but yeah, so during this, during his trial, he he spins this story. Of course, the cops come out. They present, you know, what they think happened, everything. Um, and it, it, he goes and he basically just says that because Matt was gay, that's why he panicked. That's why they used the panic, the gay panic defense. Anyway, so they they find, you know, the cops come in. It's so clearly him that they didn't even try to say it wasn't him. I mean, they found Matt's wallet, which had the total of $30 in it. They found the gun that McKinley had on him when he was arrested for beating the other two guys up. Same gun. Oh, I'm sorry. The gun that he had on him. Let me just tell you, it was still in his truck. He didn't even bother to get rid of the weapon. It matched perfectly to the wounds. The butt of the the gun matched perfectly to the wounds on Matt's face. Um, so they didn't even try to spin it. They clearly took this and were like, gay panic, gay panic. But this wasn't really about gay panic. You said something about meth? Yeah. So this wasn't even anything to do with gay panic. McKinley's girlfriend, which I don't know if I've told you, McKinley's girlfriend, you know, vouched for him through the cops um, he, she's the one who talked to him when he went home to change before going back out in the town. She actually took care of his bloody clothes. Um, they later will tell you that McKinley and Henderson were both into drugs, crystal meth being the main one. 
And Laird Me was having a huge crystal meth issue at the moment, at the time. You know, McKinley got into drugs after his mom passed. He was born into a nice family, had two loving parents. And when his mom passed, he gained an inheritance. And that is when he quickly got really into meth. Like, he blew almost all of his inheritance on meth. Henderson also got super hooked on meth. Um, and that they were friends. They met through this world. And... The reason why they picked up Matt, the real reason they come out and say why they picked up Matt was actually because of the fact they were at the bar and they were trying to get money. They were trying to rob people? They were trying to rob people. They wanted money for for drugs. And they saw Matt. I've told you before. He's very well put, very clean. They said, he's got to have money. We'll rob him. Easy target. He's skinny. He's thin. Why not? And this slowly became about that. And during that is during all this is when they, you know, the book kind of, I kind of read some outlines on the book and I'm not going to, I haven't read it personally, so I'm not going to put too much testimony into it. Um, The book kind of goes into Matt's sexuality, even McKinney's and Henderson's sexuality um like I said I'm not going to go too much into it definitely going to read it and I'd suggest you guys read it as well but they robbed him basically just to get math money nothing to do with his 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 sexuality or so anything like that you're telling me it wasn't until they got caught that they made it about the sexuality spin it around exactly the gay panic defense is literally the biggest get out of free jail attempt like card attempt you can get and in some states it completely flies it's how people truly get off scot-free it's crazy and that's where i'm at a loss if you didn't know president obama signed the matthew shepherd act in 2009 which Essentially, what defines the criteria for hate crimes against the LGBT community? Um, his mom was a big advocate on it, was really a big advocate on pushing, making sure this happened. Um, Judy Shepard really has become a strong advocate. And if you didn't know, they actually have the Matthew Shepard Foundation, which, you know, does a lot of work in the LGBT community. So his name is definitely living on, especially as part of our community. But I just can't believe that we still live in a world where the gay panic defense exists. I mean, you know, more than 20 years have passed between. Exactly. More than 20 years have passed. And we're like, it's still here. No laws have changed whatsoever to correct this. Exactly. And the only thing that's really shielding us is, like I said, the gay, like, the hate crime act, which you can still use this defense against. You know what I mean? All we're doing is not saying we can change this murder into a murder and a hate crime. You know what I mean? And all this for $30. Like, truly, that's what this all breaks down to is Matt had $30 on him. That's it. 
So we've got, it's just crazy to think about that you're still walking around and you can be completely, I don't know, we're here in Texas and it's legal here in Texas. It's one, Texas is one of the states where the gay panic defense is still a thing. I gave you guys just kind of a brief overlook of this case. I definitely think if you want to dive more into his case, which I think everyone should, um, go check out the book. Uh, make your own assumptions of what's going on. My biggest takeaway that I want everyone to take away is that the gay panic defense is still a thing. And at this point, we need to start highlighting what's going on in our community, what's going against our community. So we can make our community safer for us. You know what I mean? Um, and that's, what petitions can we sign? I want people to start thinking about what we can do to make it better for us. You know what I mean? What a lot of people don't understand with, you know, as far as voting and everything, and something I'd love for us to look into, uh, well, just everyone in the community as a whole, is remember, you're not just voting for presidents. You have to vote for Congress. Presidents will only sign a bill. Congress are the ones who make the bill. So as we're all leading into, you know, our next chapters of our lives, take a second. Look at who's running. Look at whose vote we can, who needs your vote as far as who will help make the world better for us. You know what I mean? Um, that's all we can really do. I mean, we can't. We can march, we can do what we can to hear, get our voices heard, but if we're not electing the right people into office, into the correct offices, I'm paying attention to every election, we're never going to get anywhere else. I mean, like you said, it's 20, it's more than 20 years later and we still have the same, nothing's, same issues been, going yeah, on. nothing's been done about this law. And I mean, I don't have to tell any one of you guys, we all know that it's still extremely unsafe for us to be walking around. I mean, yes, there are some cities that are better than others. We obviously know not to go to certain cities. I mean, like I said, we live here in Texas. So ruled cities, when you're passing through, trying to get to the bigger towns, I definitely don't be getting out of the car. I'll have someone else pump that gas, yeah, not for no, me. No, it's too dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So, but how are we going to fix that? That's what I we're really hoping is going to come out of this podcast is not only that we look at the crimes that are happening in our community, but also looking at the issues that affect our community. And that's our podcast for the day. That's our episode for the day. Yeah, thank you guys for listening and tune us in every Monday uh, bi-weekly. Exactly. Till next time. <laughs>